welcome to a special episode of the Grace Moments podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I have the pleasure of being joined by my first guest today, a 23-year-old young man who has recently undergone some major life upheavals, but who found God in the midst of them and has graciously agreed to come here and share his story. He's a marketing coordinator and a former athlete with a passion to help others who find themselves in unexpected transitions. Today's episode is all about what to do when you find yourself redirected in life and how you can end up finding your calling in the most unexpected of ways. Sometimes the biggest setbacks and endings in our lives are actually the very things that propel us forward into our greatest purpose and help us discover what we've truly been placed on this earth to do. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Jordan Warden. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Grace Moments podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so that you don't miss an episode and we can continue to grow the audience and reach more people with this message of hope. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. I'm joined by my first guest on the podcast. I met Jordan Wharton a couple years ago when he came to play baseball for the summer with a college summer league team I volunteered with for over seven years. Since then, he's become a great friend and a real inspiration to me personally. He's got a smile big enough to light up a room and a caring spirit that naturally draws people to Jesus. I'm excited for you to hear his story today. Jordan, welcome to the Grace Moments podcast. Hi, Catherine. Really excited to be here. As we begin, why don't you just give the listeners a little background on yourself, where you're from, what you do now, and then we'll dig deeper into your story. Definitely, definitely. So grew up um, in Akron, Ohio. I live here now. I went to Indiana Wesleyan University where I played baseball and kind of my whole life baseball was at the center of it. I loved baseball growing up since I was a little kid. Um, Through high school, the goal was how do I get a college scholarship to play? And then in college, it was how do I get into the different summer leagues and eventually get a chance to play professionally? Um, And kind of through that journey, um, I had injuries that led to my career ending short. And now I'm back home in Akron and I'm working in marketing here uh, in the Akron area. So baseball really was your first love to be honest. Oh yeah, I remember as a little kid, I was probably two years old sitting down and watching full Indians games and always looking for ESPN, <laughs> what game was on that night. And yeah, yeah as long as I can remember, I, I love baseball. I, I liked all sports, but I was always drawn to that and always look forward to spring training and all that starting. For those of you who don't know, I've worked in a variety of capacities over several years time for a faith-based summer college baseball league team in my hometown called the Chigiak Eagle River Chinooks. We're affiliated with a tremendous evangelistic and discipleship organization called Athletes in Action, and it was through the team that I first met you, Jordan. Can you share a little bit about your experience coming to Alaska and how your involvement with AIA and the Chinooks helped shape your faith and your baseball career? Yeah, for sure. So first off, I think the craziest thing was just being in Alaska, um, being a Midwest guy. I showed up on the first day and I think I flew in pretty late at night and I couldn't believe that it was still light outside. (laughs) That was the first thing that got me. I was like, oh man, this is not Ohio, but it was an unbelievable summer. Um, Absolutely loved it there. Loved the coaching staff. I came in with a solid faith base, um, grew up in a Christian home, 
in a lot of youth group things growing up, went to church and at a Christian university. But I feel like just having that summer where you are so close to the group of guys and everything is so focused on growing our faith and everything we do, it definitely set a foundation that I didn't even know would be needed, you know, just a year or two later um, with the injury and all of those life transitions. But probably the best summer of my life, always talking to everyone about it. Um, Everyone I know that plays college baseball now, I say, you got to go play for the Chinooks. You got to put an application in with AIA and try to get up there. It is the best thing you can do. So yeah, I, I loved it there. Best summer of my life. Well, and I have so many fond memories watching you play here, and you were definitely one of the most talented to ever play for our team. You know, you were headed for a professional career. You know, it seemed quite possible in the near future when you were here. You were going into your junior year at Indiana Wesleyan, and didn't you even have some professional scouts, you know, starting to talk to you a little bit, or was there some progress in that in that way a little bit headed into your yeah, yeah. junior I- year? I definitely felt like I was, you know, I felt like early on in my college career, I was, that was always the dream was someday I'll be able to play and, you know, have interest and like, it could be a reality. And I kind of felt like during that summer, um, especially with the scout days that we had, like you said, and all of that, I was kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm almost here. It's, Mm -hmm. it's as close. It was finally had kind of gotten to a point where I was like, this actually could happen. This isn't Mm -hmm. as much of a dream anymore as a goal now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But then everything changed. March 2019 rolls around. You started to notice loss of strength in your shoulder, pain, loss of stability in it. You had surgery in May of that same year. And essentially, you never saw the field again. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was uh, quite the process. Um, so, in the preseason that year, I had felt a little bit of shoulder discomfort, never thought anything of it just because. We were coming back from winter break and nobody was in mid-season form yet. So figured it was just some getting used to the high intensity and all the reps. And then throughout the season, um, you know, opening weekend felt okay. The next weekend felt weaker, felt weaker, and then more pain throughout the season uh, until it got to a point where I was feeling my shoulder. It felt like it was slipping around in the socket while I was playing and no strength on my throws hitting. I felt like I couldn't swing the bat. And um, yeah, finally went to see a doctor and I tore my labrum and rotator cuff in my throwing shoulder, which is basically everything you need in a shoulder. (laughs) So yeah, that's literally everything. So um, had a shoulder of no use and got surgery, which then led to another 18 months of rehabs and failed throwing programs and injections, everything else that comes along with that. As I tried to keep that dream alive to play professionally and try to make a comeback. And it's, it just got to the point where it was never improving and we tried just about anything we could think of. So it was time to be at peace with the decision of hanging up the cleats. Well, and as I recall, after the injury, initially a comeback still seemed possible. You know, you were working Mm -hmm. your tail off, um, spending hours in rehab and physical therapy in hopes of being able to obviously play again in college and, you know, still keep your professional, you know, aspirations alive. Um, And it began, when did it begin to enter your mind that you may have played your last game? Mm -hmm. 
For sure. Um, so whenever I first got the news that it was a labrum tear yeah. in baseball, that's kind of a scary um, word, a torn labrum and labrum re repairs. Um, but I was super optimistic early on. I thought, yeah, yeah this is going to be a long road and a lot of rehab, but I never really imagined it being the end of the road. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was kind of as I you know, I was through the summer and through the fall of rehab, and I felt like I was progressing really well because I hadn't gotten to a part where I was actually throwing or doing game speed things yet. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of stretching and strength building, and I felt great in those areas. So mm -hmm. I thought I was going to come back even stronger and play really well. And kind of a season came around, I was like, I still can't throw a ball and I can't swing mm -hmm. a bat that well. So we kind of early in my senior season, then we tested it out um, and decided to use a medical red shirt on my year. And at that point, I kind of knew because I was coming up on the 12 month mark out of surgery. And I was kind of beginning to wonder if I had fallen on the wrong side of the torn labrum statistics. Mm -hmm. So and I think just through that every month, it would build more and more that hey, it's been you know, 12 months now since I haven't played a game, 14, 15, 16. Um, so yeah, and it definitely progressed. Started to sink in. Mm -hmm. Prior to your injury, can you share where your headspace was as far as your faith? Like what mattered most to you? How did you see your faith playing a role in your goals and your life in general? Yeah, for sure. So I think kind of growing up in the church and going to a Christian university, I had a lot of head knowledge of Jesus. And I had a lot of, I, I wouldn't call it faith, but I had knowledge of the faith. And same thing with my time in Alaska. I learned a lot, but I think subconsciously, I still wanted to be the star of the show. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that I didn't realize that because I, I, I kind of made a idol out of the validation you get through baseball. Mm -hmm. And you know, having fans cheering for you and people and teammates telling you good game and coaches liking you. And I didn't realize that I had, without even knowing it, kind of put validation from others over top of everything else. And that was kind of, I was the king of that story and I, I liked it and didn't know there was anything wrong with it because baseball was going well. So in my mind, I had the validation and I wasn't lacking anything at that time. Um, and kind of, as you know, the uh, whole injury and everything really left me in a place where I was like, oh, I can't get validation anymore. I, I can't be the star of the show because I'm not doing anything. I'm rehabbing on the sidelines right now. No, no one's telling me good job anymore. And, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of here watching everyone else do their thing. And I think at that point is where I kind of realized like, hey, I don't really know who I am. I, mm -hmm. I always thought of myself as Jordan Wharton, the baseball player who's going to go play in the pros and never really saw an end to that and it really kind of hit me with I have a I had a bit of like an identity crisis mm -hmm. I really spent a lot of time searching and at times even angry where I, I felt like I was running from God and mad at him and mm -hmm. wanting to serve myself even more at this point and looking in so many places on how can I have validation and how can I have meaning and all that so it really led me down a um a long search but you know eventually god chased me down and um pulled me in that was kind of going to be my next question was as it became more obvious that your shoulder would never fully recover um your days as an athlete were numbered um mm -hmm. 
what sort of thoughts and emotions did you experience as reality began to set in? Yeah, definitely. There was um, a bit of a push and pull. I feel like some days I wanted to pull away from God and I was, how can this happen to me? I, mm-hmm. I was so close. <laughs> why, why couldn't this have happened earlier before I felt like it was actually um, a realistic idea and possibility? Reach, yeah. So there, there were definitely days, and I think a lot of times early on where I, I was not interested in God and angry and bitter at the situation. Um, and that was even in the earlier days of my rehab. I think that my base of finding myself as the king got exposed very quickly. And I don't think I reacted well early on just because I, I didn't know how to handle it. It was kind of shell shock to me. And I was, oh, this is big life changes. And then, um, you know, slowly... I knew I was still lacking stuff and Mm -hmm. I knew kind of going my own way. There was no way that I could fill what I was looking for. And I think slowly God just called me in and brought me into relationship with him and allowed me to understand his love for me. And that through him, I have validation forever and what he thinks of me. And that I don't have to worry about anyone else's opinion or Mm -hmm. doing well in baseball. And I think that was probably the coolest part of it. It was just a very slow overtime effect. And I think I'm still growing into that today. Like, how do I die to self daily Mm -hmm. and live with my full, um, you know, person being in God? Would you say that you're typical of a lot of young people in the sense that you hadn't really experienced major difficulties in your life prior to getting hurt? Yeah, you know, I I would say so. I think that kind of everything that I thought of difficulties at that point weren't, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, and I I think that, and it's hard as a college student, there's only so many major difficulties you can have, you know, before that it was failing a test or (laughs) (laughs) something like that or losing a game. But yeah, it definitely put everything in perspective for me. and even to put baseball in perspective that like it is an awesome game, but it's not what anyone's meant to do. You know, like we're, we're meant to serve God and be in communion with him. And if we do that through baseball kind of being our platform, that's awesome. And God loves that and rejoices watching that. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely not our purpose. And for me, that really, you know, exposed that for me and was eye opening. A lot of people, when they find themselves being redirected in life, um, experience a sort of identity crisis, like you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. They're not entirely sure who they are anymore. Now that they've had to give up whatever it was that was such a strong part of their belonging. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of talk to our listeners just about some of the ways in which you worked through that feeling of being adrift? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, early on, I don't think I did well. I think that I was angry a lot of the time. I think that I was at times trying to still keep those baseball dreams alive. Um, Mm -hmm. At other times, I was riding my lows really hard and then other times riding my highs really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that it kind of created a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really was early on just drifting. I mean, I I don't think I did handle it well early on, but I Mm -hmm. think at this point, I mean, I still do have those feelings at time where it's, especially oh, sure. this time of year where the season's opening, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the next few weeks. And it's kind of like, man, like I'd, I'd love to be out there. And there's still even like 
think everyone has a bit of a selfish streak where oh, I'd love to have the crowd cheer for me today. And I'd, I'd love for someone to tell me good game. Um, and yeah, and really, I think the biggest thing for me has been turning to scripture. It's just, mm -hmm. I think that's the only truth for me that can reset me and I know is truth. Um, besides that, it's so hard on my own to try to pull myself out of that. Was it hard to let go? I mean, I know that sounds like an obvious question, but mm -hmm. the dreams and the hopes to just watch it all come crashing down, um, was it hard to accept that? Yeah, definitely. It was kind of an interesting um, situation and in that it was for me, I mean, it was the course of 18 months of letting it go. And still today, even, um, you know, I have days where I'm feeling good and I could say, oh, I wonder if I could still hit or something. But, um, you know, it was a slow up and down course of some days I felt great and very good about it. And other days I was frustrated and would just do anything to put a pair of cleats on and go run the bases or something. And, you know, it, it really is just a long process is the only way I could put it. It's um, it, some days you feel like you're still letting it go for the first time and other days you feel amazing. How did you begin to discover the grace of God in your lowest moments? Was there a specific time or was it just a slow fuse? Yeah, so um, actually my fiance Alex and I were friends around this time and she got me a book um, by Brennan Manning, and she knew that I was struggling and kind of all around the place with my faith, not knowing what to believe, not knowing if I wanted to or anything, and she just got me a book and said, hey, read this if you want to. I don't remember the name of the book. I'll, I'll have to find that and uh, let you know, but I um, read it, and I liked it, but I don't think it really changed me right away, but mm. it got me interested. And I think that kind of led to just like, you know, oh, I'll read another book. I'll read another book. Oh, I'll reference these verses in my Bible. And it was a very slow getting me more interested and more and more interested in turning into the word then. But it really started, I think that was kind of the starting point that reintroduced me to the love and grace of God. So in a sense, it was your suffering which drove you to really take an honest look at yourself and ask yourself where you really wanted to go with your life. Mm -hmm, 100%. You've been away from the game for, you know, roughly a year now, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You've watched those endings in your life start to seed some beginnings. You've experienced almost a, a different sort of comeback than what you expected. You know, you're going to be getting married to your fiance, mm -hmm. Alex, later this year. Um, you've also started a ministry that aims to help other athletes who find themselves in similar situations as to what you went through. Tell us about what led you to begin game after the game and what your hopes are for that going forward. Yeah, definitely. So um, game after the game was kind of just birthed out of this entire experience. I kind of was able to look back um, now that I'm, you know, after the fact and able to look back over that 18 month span of rehabbing. And I was like, the things that were missing, and I think are missing for so many athletes and just people in general mm -hmm. is community and identity. And I think with my injury, number one, of course, like losing your identity where it's kind of, I'm not an athlete anymore. I, I don't know what to do. I, and then um, the other thing is community, especially for athletes. You're so used to being with 
the same group of guys all day long from the minute you wake up, you see them to the minute you go to bed, you're with them. And for me, it was kind of weird because I wasn't traveling on road trips anymore. And this was while I was still in college and rehabbing. Um, and at this point, it's a completely different thing where you're not with your teammates all the time. Um, you're in a work environment, but it's completely different than anything you would get in a college dorm with teammates. Um, so yeah, that, that's really the um, main focus of game after the game. I definitely see in the future us finding a way to just bring more community to people. I, I definitely think that it has scope outside of athletics. I think that everyone is kind of in a bit of a identity crisis, especially in America. I think there's so many strong voices pulling you so many different directions and telling you what you should be and what you should wear and what you should, everything I feel like is controlled or you hear a, some type of opinion on it. So yeah, I, I think it's really applicable to, to everyone, but my long-term dream for it would just be showing more people their identity in Christ and giving them a community of strong believers to you know, come near to Christ with. You mentioned a little bit about identity as something that you really want to focus on with game after the game. Um, can you delve into that concept a little bit from what that's meant for you and just the importance of that place for everyone in their individual story, understanding their place of belonging, uh, most importantly in God? For sure. Um, yeah, I think everyone, I think identity is kind of worth so many things stem from for people um, faith-wise. And if you look at, you know, things, sins and struggles, a lot of it stems out of your identity. And if you're finding your identity in Christ, you're going to lose a lot of insecurities. Um, and I think for me, that was a, you know, there's an underlying security that I got from validation, from cheer from being out on the field. Um, and I really think that when you lose that and you lose whatever you found identity in, you're pretty lost and it's pretty hard to have faith or solid relationships with people or joy if you don't have identity. And I think that, you know, God gives us identity and his love. And if you can consistently live from a place of his acceptance and his grace in your life, it's so easy to then, you know, let that shine through you and to live that out. Um, but it's so hard to try to let his light shine through you when you don't have identity in him. You know, it's so, it's so forced at that point that it's uh, more of practice than it is, um, you know, really living, living out his faith or his uh, mercy. At least from my own experience, I found that the really hard times in my life, the adversity that I've personally walked through, oftentimes really exposed where those insecure areas of my life really were. That those identity issues I dealt with were manifested and, and almost exacerbated under seasons of stress and pressure and suffering and hardship. And I think that's true for a lot of people, but yet oftentimes we don't want to go through that adversity where we actually would learn those things. Would you kind of agree? And have you kind of found that to be true with yourself? Yeah, definitely. There's a, uh, there's a quote I like, and it's when the tide goes out, you can see who's been swimming naked. And I think that's such a that's good. realistic thing that as soon as, you know, the tide goes out and things get bad, you can see 
where people find their identity or, you know, really where they place their values. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And I would almost venture to say that part of why God allows difficulties in our lives is for that reason is to Mm -hmm. help us identify those areas because God already knows where those areas are because he knows everything about us but Mm -hmm. we almost have to learn about ourselves we have to almost live through that and figure that out in order to discover where those places are that we've been placing our value or our worth and what we do and what others say about us. And I think when suffering hits you and suddenly all that stuff can't really help you anymore, it's important to have a place to return to, to say, okay, who does God say I am? For sure. Mm-hmm. That's um, kind of looking back at my injury. And I can say this now, I definitely wouldn't say it in the moment, but um, I'm so glad that it happened to me. And mm. I'm more fulfilled now than I am or than I was when I was playing baseball and having success and on the cusp of possibly getting drafted or signing a free agent deal or something. And I would much rather be where I am now just with happiness in my relationship with God than, you know, chasing after idols of baseball and gratification and all that. And that's definitely been a journey of getting to a point where I can actually be thankful for that trial. So how can people find out about your ministry and reach out to you if they want to inquire about game after the game or perhaps personally talk to you further about your story? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, You can probably find me on Instagram would be the best way to reach out now. Um, Game after the game. um, We are just at game after the game. You can find us there. You can find me personally at J-W-H-A-R-T-2. And yeah, either one of those places, I'd be more than happy to talk and would love to share more about my experience and um, encourage people. As we begin to wind this down, I want to ask you a two-part question here. Mm -hmm. First, if you could go back and talk to the old Jordan prior to the injury, um, or maybe just after it, what would you say to him? Yeah, I I would just say you're loved by God. Uh, That's really it, because I think that when we realize that and truly understand it and it's not just a church saying or something you hear people say but when you can really internally understand that you don't need idols and you don't need the validation of baseball i think that if you live from a place and that kind of posture in your heart that i'm loved and i'm here to serve god Mm -hmm. i think that everything else falls in the line so nicely And I I would really just, yeah, hit home on that fact, how loved I am. Secondly, if there were others listening who find themselves in sudden transitions they weren't expecting, what advice would you give to them? Mm -hmm. Talk to people. Talk to people as much as you can. Talk to people who know more than you do. (laughs) Um, I think that's one thing is I, it's definitely my personality to internalize stuff and try not to say anything. And that's, you know, there are people, I was at a Christian school, people that had a great base of faith and knew their Bible better than I did and were Mm. great people and very happy. And I wish that I would have reached out to more and been like, Hey, I'm really struggling right now. I, I, I don't know where my identity is or what's going on, but I'm confused and angry. Um, but yeah, be, be real with people and tell people that you look up to and your peers that, know a lot because people are more than happy to help. One other thing I wanted to briefly touch on here is that 
one of the things I'm passionate about through this podcast and also in my own life is encouraging people to get to a place of comfort with their story because we all have chapters in our lives that we we want to leave out we all have those places where we're like I don't really want to talk about that that's that's not a part I really want people to know and yet oftentimes bouncing off that sense of community and conversation that you're talking about there are aspects where we actually come together in our vulnerability we come together in the places that are more unpleasant because that's where we see our humanness that's where we find our commonality in a lot of ways it's it's not oftentimes in the the good stuff necessarily but it's oftentimes in the hard stuff and i think it's important what you're saying having those conversations being able to talk to people and say listen i'm not okay because i think it's very easy to want to put on a strong front and tell people hey everything's fine you know and not want that either real or perceived image of whoever we've been before that difficulty to get shattered you know we're just mm -hmm. like we want people to see a certain view and we want to keep up that certain view because it makes us feel better about ourselves and yet at the same time inside we're dying and we're like i'm not fine i need help you know and being able to have humility to sit down and talk with people and say i know this is what you see or what you think you see but this is what's real and i find the more that we come to that place of peace with our story in a lot of ways the more authentic our relationships are and the more doors god's opened like he did with you to have those conversations and to actually let your story open up doors for other people to open up about theirs for sure yeah that, that couldn't be more spot on that that's so true and i'm sure you found that a bit even just in the last while since you stepped away from baseball that god's allowed you some opportunities to be able to talk to some more people have you have, have you had a few times where you've been able to sit down and you know work with somebody else that's in oh, a tough spot yeah yeah for sure that that's definitely just i think when you have those kind of experiences um it can be about baseball or not it just gives you such a great platform to be able to speak to people um you know and i i think god is using our struggles a lot of the time mm -hmm. to you know basically glorify his name i mean at the end of the day i can look back on my injury and say like this was orchestrated by god but it's you know he he knew that's what i needed and it was to glorify him and you know if, if that didn't happen i i don't know where i'd be i'd probably be thinking i was happy in baseball and you know just just not knowing what else there was out there so for sure yeah i think it definitely grows your platform and does a lot just by being willing to share and i think that's a, a place of maturity as a christian that you have to come to where you have to be at a point where you're like i prize the glory of god more than i do my own desires because it's mm -hmm. like we want to honor god as christians and yet at the same time it's often very tempting to say mm -hmm. well i want to honor god as long as it fits in the way that i that i want to honor him yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when God takes you through things and he's like, no, that's not what my plan is. That's not what I want to do. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard to sometimes reach that place of acceptance where you're like, listen, God, I don't care how we get there. You know, as long as you're honored and glorified, 
I'm willing to take up my cross and deny myself in order for yeah. that to happen. And that's for sure. That's a hard place to be. You know? Oh yeah, it, it, it's easier to talk about than it is to do it. I um, it's a challenge every day. That that's something that you know all the time is a real fight. Like I, I'm doing this for glory of God, and I can accept what happened uh, with my injury. Even still today, it's a it's a daily fight of being able to put down my own desires and you know my own wants, which is to play baseball and to you know play in the majors and be able to say that's okay that that's not part of my story final question if there's Mm -hmm. one key truth that you've learned from your journey that you can leave our listeners here with today uh, it could be a scripture passage or a life lesson if you could just sum up everything you've gone through and looking back from the other side of it give us something to take away from your story what would that be yeah so um Actually, in Brennan Manning's book, that first one that I read, mm-hmm. his very first lines are scripture, and it's actually Song of Song 710, which says, I belong to my beloved, and his desire is for me. Mm-hmm. And I had never read Song of Songs before, didn't know anything about it. And I think that's such a cool way to look at God and his church mm-hmm. and see, like, I belong to and just the the wording my beloved and his desire is for me and understanding that god desires you and you belong to him and it's not just you know the normal verbiage oh yeah god loves you but he desires you and which mm. is just such a stronger feeling than just Beautiful. a love and i think when you can really internalize that and dwell on that desire i think it means so much and makes it so much more more real I think it's cool because the episode that will have aired right before this one does, Mm -hmm. my whole focus on that was all about how we are God's beloved. And so that's really really beautiful how that just wove in there and uh, sort of like, okay, God, we, we get it. (laughs) Yeah. right, Right. But yeah, just, just, just some great, some great stuff there for sure. And, and, uh, thank you. Um, this has been, incredibly inspiring and encouraging um i'm just so thankful that you came on today thanks for your vulnerability your willingness to put your story out there so others can benefit from it and and god can be glorified totally it's been a blast being here i'm super excited to see where the podcast goes and uh yeah really really had a great time and i'm honored to be invited That was just awesome hearing from Jordan Wharton today. I hope you were as uplifted and encouraged as I was and that his story gives you some hope in whatever you're going through. With God, the hardest chapters in our lives never have the final word. And if we continue to accept even the painful things as grace, we will eventually discover that they prepared us for even greater things God has ahead. If you've enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and please spread the word to others who might benefit from it as well. As always, you can follow me via my social media on Twitter, Instagram, MeWe, and Parlor, as well as subscribe to my weekly blog posts at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Music